and welcome to a special edition of The Picture Show with Austin and Phil Rude. I am Phil Rude, and I'm the dad. And I'm Austin Rude, the son. Normally, we'd be watching a movie and then talking about it, but this week is a bit different. It's a very special episode of a, The Picture Show. A very special episode, indeed. We are talking all about Band Books Week 2020, which runs from today, as we're recording, September 27th, through Saturday, October 3rd. This is a week when we celebrate the freedom to read and highlights the attempts to censor books that are made available in libraries and as part of a school curriculum. On this very special episode, we have brought in a very special guest. We've got my sister and your aunt, Amy Rude, joining us today. Hi, Amy. Hey. Hello. I'm happy to be your very special guest today. You are very special. The first guest on the picture show. (laughs) That's right. First and best. Yes. She knows where she ranks, everybody. Amy is a librarian, uh, kind of. You're in the library industry, correct? Yeah, yeah. I did did a couple years as a as a librarian and uh, worked for a library software company for a while. So yeah, I still still plug myself into that category. You still frequent libraries? I do. I do. I you were a you were a graduate student in library sciences, correct? Correct. Very cool. It's an expert, everyone. That's right. Uh, what's the what would be like the video game? She's like the boss. She's like, oh, the, yeah. she's like the big boss of librarians. <laughs> she's just going to throw books at you. <laughs> but she will never defeat me. Uh, yeah. Um, let's, uh, let's drag Amy into uh, something we hope she can shed some light on, which is Banned Books Week. Um, Banned Books Week was, uh, according to the ALA website the american library association website it was launched in the 1980s uh, which was a time of increased challenges and protests and a landmark supreme court case island tree school district versus pico in 1982 and that decision ruled that school officials cannot ban books in libraries simply because of their content um this kind of kicked off uh, a lot of realization um that more and more books were being challenged or books I, I think I think it brought uh, awareness awareness to probably the library and community that like protests that maybe they were hearing in their branch were not isolated that this was sort of a bigger problem right uh, Amy can you can you speak to that at all that the idea of of people, I mean, you worked as a librarian. Did you ever encounter people who came to you and and asked about the appropriateness of a book in your collection? No, I mean, the libraries that I worked in are not where you see the kinds of challenges that the banned books book is is bringing some awareness to. I worked for I worked in a newspaper library, so my patrons were just journalists who. <laughs> <laughs> okay. we're not we're not about that <laughs> um, and I worked in a uh, in a campus library when I was in grad school too um, funny story about that it's not uh, banned books related but we did uh, 
like libraries will routinely weed their collections, get rid of old outdated stuff and uh, make more room for the new stuff that they're purchasing. Uh, and we always had to hide the books that we were getting rid of because otherwise the professors would pull them out of the dumpsters and come back into the library with them and be like, why are you getting rid of this? (laughs) (laughs) It would create just this whole, nobody wanted to deal with it. So we had to like bury them in there. No one wants something until they know that it's getting thrown out. So, so it was almost like you didn't deal with people wanting you to weed your collection out. They, you dealt with people who didn't want you to weed your. Just, it's anti fans book. Hard week. time letting go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Next episode on book hoarding. Yeah. <laughs> that is an apt term for most of those professors. <laughs> Why is everybody looking at me? <laughs> But yeah, I think uh, anybody that's worked in uh, a public library or in a school library, I'm sure even before 1982, was very aware of uh, the kinds of challenges that that Supreme Court decision uh, dealt with. So um, yeah, I think it's it's something that BAM Books Week kind of, you might you might be aware of it as a librarian, but if you aren't spending a lot of time 40 hours a week say uh, in a library <laughs> you might not be as aware of the kind of stuff that that banned books week is is bringing more awareness to so it's more like bringing the attention to the public mm-hmm. absolutely yeah and i'm sure i mean when the supreme court makes rulings like sometimes it's the first thing time that i've heard of something that's going on too so sure um, seeing as the Supreme Court is in flux right now, it, it, I think it becomes apparent that there's a large things that are, things that are challenged, things that people are worried about. Uh, just at the present time, it always highlights to me how little of what the Supreme Court does affects me and a lot of people in my demographic uh, on a personal level. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you that you kind of have to care about something beyond your own driveway, right. uh, and, and and that things like Banned Books Week that they can help sort of bring attention to things like this, and go like this is a thing that I don't necessarily think about art censorship all the time, um, but there's one week a year that I see links on Facebook and on Twitter talking about Banned Books Week and hey let's celebrate these books. The, the fact that, that there are people fighting and championing for our our ability to read whatever we want to read, essentially. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that as long as literature has existed, there have been people who want to censor it. People who are like, that's sure. not okay. For sure. Yeah. I mean, we saw, uh, we watched Jojo Rabbit a couple weeks ago, and there's that scene at the beginning when they go to, like, Hitler Youth Camp. And they're all, like, having a good time throwing books in the fire. And Jojo is, like, second-guessing. Should I be throwing this book in the... You know what I mean? Like, right. Like, this idea... I mean, I know it's all sort of that weird humor that hangs over Jojo Rabbit the whole time. But there is that, that thing of, like, yes, the Nazis famously burned books. You know, there's always been... You know, there are pe- people in America burn books today. There was a pastor in Florida a couple years ago that was burning the Koran. You know wow. what I mean? It, 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 like these things happen in in reading 
uh, the list of challenged books, a surprising number of public burnings of some of these books are, are happening as of just a few years ago. It's it's shocking that people are still burning books in the United States. It's so sad. <laughs> it really is. Um, it's a more extreme version of just even banning books is not okay. But right. Um, there, there's there's challenges that I can understand um we talked earlier amy you said you know the the bill cosby children's books uh bill cosby had a pbs series called little bill uh and a series of books that went along with them and of course recent allegations uh not allegations anymore recent 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 horrible crimes uh that came (laughs) to light uh, from Bill Cosby uh, have brought a lot of um, Maybe attention we to these be. books that probably nobody really paid much attention to, but people were like, "Yeah, I, I, my kid will not. I will not support something from Bill Cosby." And it's I, sort of I like, don't want I, an author grooming <laughs> my children. Sure, I understand people saying <laughs> this is not appropriate for the children's section to have. You know, it's sort of like, you know, oh, here's this. Here's Little Charlie by Charles Manson. You know, like, <laughs> do we want this book in our children's collection? Let's second guess this. Yeah. Um, there are things that you can kind of understand uh, concern about, but... I, the majority of banned books I don't think are that. Well, but... I, th- I think I'm uncomfortable with any, like, out-and-out policy or any sort of governmental ban of a book completely you know right maybe it's not available in a public collection but i'm just uncomfortable with somebody saying no you cannot read that that's illegal to own that's illegal you know like it almost makes you want to seek it out it's like (laughs) why do they not want people still looking for the anarchist cookbook because it's it's you cannot find it in the united states and right yeah uh, Austin, you had a uh, you had a breakdown. You went to the library a couple weeks ago, or last week? Uh, yeah, last week. I and what did you what did you find about Banned Books Week there? Well, there was actually a whole shelf in the lobby, um, and it kind of caught me off guard. Like, I know it makes sense a library is talking about a library issue, but um, I just hadn't expected it, and it made me happy. Uh, so they had a bunch of banned books that they have in their catalog. Okay. And then they also had a few uh, pamphlets and posters up with statistics. One of the most interesting ones I found was a pie chart talking about who initiates challenges. So it it did the breakdown and a vast majority of them, 45%, are from library patrons. And then it goes into 18% parents... 12% political and religious groups, uh, 8% are librarians or teachers, and then elected officials and students are the lowest of that demographic. (laughs) Yeah, parents parents is high, students is low. (laughs) Real shocker. (laughs) I think the only students trying to get books banned are ones who don't want to read them. Don't want to read. I read I read some things where there were students that were offended by. By certain language in, in books, there were students that I, took their concern. I mean, maybe a parent made uh, uh, the protest, but it started with students saying, 
going home and saying, I don't want to read this. This book says the N-word in it. Right. This, this you know, without, I, I without taking context in, into, um, you know, I don't, I don't vilify anyone who's offended by that word, but like, I feel like context has to be considered somewhere. Right. Um, I also, another statistic they found was where do challenges take place? Uh, 66% is public libraries, 19% is school libraries, 12% schools, 2% academia, and 1% special or prison libraries. So it gives a kind of breakdown of where these challenges are coming from, who's facing them, uh, just to shed more light on what causes this issue. Right, where where the complaints are taking place. Right. And who's, and who's complaining. Bunch of whiners. That's who. <laughs> Amy, you got any insight into uh, those kind of numbers? Uh, or anecdotal or otherwise yeah i mean i'm not surprised that like fully two-thirds are happening in public libraries that's uh there's no i mean with a school library a lot of times your collection policy is built around uh the school community that you're serving and the curriculum uh for that school so in a public library it's it runs the gamut right like you're not right. you're not building your collection for a specific educational purpose. So there's a lot more uh, materials. It's not like if you're 10, you can't go into the uh, adult fiction stacks and pull something off the shelf either. Sure. It might not be in a school library. So there's that too. And I think also with public libraries, when you get into funding and like how the money's being spent, uh, everybody wants to have a say in sure. <laughs> what the yeah. library buys at that point. <laughs> Where are so. my tax dollars yeah. going? Yeah. And yeah. also, uh, that breakdown is mostly uh, kind of like the most public libraries and school libraries, those are the most common types of libraries. Sure. So when you get Tons. down to academia and prison libraries prison. and specialized things like that it's like of course they're gonna have less complaints comparatively because they just have there's less fewer there's less of them right. yeah yeah a amy uh can you speak to uh prison libraries because you did some hard time uh <laughs> and, and you shanked some bitches but uh uh no uh i know you you work with it. amy amy is not uh, an ex-convict that I'm aware of, anyway. Uh, Let's you, save you that for another episode. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> you, you do some uh, work with sending literature to uh, female prisoners around the country, and I was wondering if you could speak to that real quick. Yes, I package up my manifesto and ship it out to... Well, that's very nice. <laughs> I write it in my own poop. And... Uh, <laughs> Whoa, whoa, Phil, let's be reasonable here. <laughs> it's dipped in the blood of my enemies. Ah, uh, no. <laughs> very, very. Mobilize the troops. Look at the flair on that thing. Uh, no, I, uh, before everything was shut down for COVID, I was uh, volunteering with a group here in Chicago that sends uh, materials that are requested by women in uh 
federal facilities and also to, uh, I'm in Chicago, to Cook County Jail. Um, we provide some uh, books and materials to them. Uh, women will write to us. Uh, we have forms that they fill out that just have a whole list of different genres. They can make specific requests, but everything is uh, donated. So we just do our best to uh, fill their requests. We send three books uh, back to uh, any woman that, that requests them, uh, trying to match what they want to, um, what they've, what we have. Um, right. And uh, yeah, um, that's kind of the, the gist of it. Uh, as far so it, as, sorry, go ahead. It, it, it essentially is because prison libraries are typically very underfunded uh, and, and kind of scant and limiting in what they are able to get for them. Mm-hmm. These are, they are able to write to your organization and and request books that then stay at the prison or are able to stay at the prison. It, it's sort of, um, it's not like a return thing, right? You, you give right. them the books yeah. and exactly. then they are able to share them with other inmates. They're able to sort of build up a library uh, within that com- within that very specific community, For if sure. I'm understanding that right. Yeah, yeah. So you send uh, you send a packet to uh, one woman, and she'll frequently share that with whoever she's bunking with, and whoever her friends are, or whoever is sort of uh, sharing space with her in that facility, so that. You know, it's it's not like you send three books and they just get read once and thrown away. It's they continue <laughs> to have a life and continue to be shared. And um, yeah. Now, are there any limits on what sort of books you're allowed to give them? To to a certain degree, I mean, there's some things I think that you know, anarchist cookbook, for example, uh, sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> are, are getting sent in. <laughs> Um, and things uh, like anything with um, like hate speech and things like that or um, how to escape prison how to escape prison (laughs) totally the uh, the complete idiot's guide to escaping prison yeah that's that's (laughs) That's the way to do it Um, so things like that and sometimes like we'll do some some of our own sort of preemptive censorship of covers if there are images that um, because all of the stuff that you're sending into a prison is getting reviewed uh, by prison staff before it makes it to its intended recipient uh, just trying to kind of eliminate any any reason that they any might friction, have to yeah. uh, to reject a, a package that's coming in and it's you it's, want as few problems as possible exactly exactly so um, trying to fulfill the requests uh, and also trying not to piss off prison staff is sort of the delicate balance of, <laughs> of sending of sending books, I think. so. Um, and it's a little different with a prison too, where you know we have a lot of free speech protections for schools and for public libraries. Um, that uh, when you're inside of a prison, that that is essentially a, a dictatorship. like you, 
what what you can read is there's a set of rules sure yeah yeah like you hope that there's guidelines but if you just happen to catch somebody on a bad day they might send back a a whole shipment of of packets that without any explanation like there is a lot of stuff up to it can happen without really having and there's no not like you can you know challenge that really right so that's frustrating like when there's nothing you can do sure and these people are trying to better themselves it's just like it's a hard path to follow do you get a lot of um do you get a lot of requests for things that are like i had uh someone i knew who was in a rehab center i took him uh some drawing books some writing books just saying here's something constructive yeah you you can do i know uh i know uh I sort of internet know an artist who said he got a letter from uh, from somebody in prison who said, yeah, I found your work and I started drawing and requested some art books from him. And he was wondering how to go about sending. Do you get a lot of books like that? Things that are like uh, acquiring skills or any sort of constructive like instruction kind of book? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's... Um a few different things that are requested pretty regularly. Um, one is like coloring and activity books. Um, sure. Just things to help pass the time constructively. Pass the time. How to draw, craft books, cookbooks. Um, there's also a lot of um, a lot of requests for GED preparation books. Um, the that organization makes sense. had yeah they secured a, a grant for about 500 of them. Uh, before I started volunteering with them and uh, those are all those are gone now they've all been been given out so um, things like that and also just people uh, exploring careers so sometimes it's uh, I want a book on being an accountant or starting my own business or um, something like that that's um, pretty pretty future looking as they're thinking about what what comes next Um, right and then also because it's um uh, women that we're serving uh, will frequently get requests for um, materials around parenting or children's books um, that they can that they can read to their children and, and things like that as well. So just a lot of that's very really cool. interesting engagement for sure. Uh, that that is uh, really positive, and I I that sounds like a really great organization. Can you give the name of it one more time? Yeah, uh, Chicago Books to Women in Prison uh, is the organization, and they provide books to uh, women in federal prisons, federal women's prisons, as well as trans women housed in federal men's facilities and uh, the Cook County Jail as well. Very cool. Uh, We're going to put that link in our show notes. Uh, So if you are interested in helping, in checking that organization out or donating books or donating money to buy books uh helping them out in any way you will be able to do that just follow the link in our our show description here it's a very good cause i think so yeah they do have a list on the website too of uh like specific asks for donations there's a lot of there's a lot of parameters around 
like we can only send paperback books and stuff like that. So right. so read that very carefully before you you send any donations. What about a hollowed out book with like a a uh, a set of keys in it or a hacksaw mm-hmm. or something like that? Uh, a is file. it paperback? <laughs> yeah, it could be. <laughs> Make sure there's no violence on the front. That's right. Make sure the cover is appropriate. <laughs> just, just got some some cute bunnies on a paperback. Right. Then we're good. And the yeah. title is not a saw. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on from that, I want to run down. Uh, we each brought a frequently challenged uh, book to the table, and right. I want to run down. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about those. In the meantime, uh, in between. Our picks. I want to bring up some other band books that people brought up. I asked a question on on social media in the last couple weeks. We're doing a band books episode. What are some of your favorites? And we got some cool responses. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Tomsky said on my Facebook page, uh, she listed the perks of being a wallflower, Bridge to Terabithia, the Harry Potter series, uh, the graphic novel series Saga, and... uh, it lined up with with your pick perfectly, Austin. You want to take the wheel and and jump into into right. what you have. Uh, Mary also mentioned the Hunger Games, <clears throat> which was my pick. Um, this was one that stuck out to me specifically because it shows just kind of the absurdity of people challenging books without truly understanding what the subject is about. Sure. Uh. So in case you haven't heard, in case you're living under a rock, The Hunger Games is a story about 24 children being sent into an arena where they are sent to fight to the death and only one of them comes out. Um, So yeah, I kind of looked into it and the reason this was banned was because it was being read aloud in this woman's class or her daughter's class class, right right? and it it caused her daughter to have nightmares and so she thought that that was reason enough to ban this book uh she went to a meeting to talk about it to the uh, school board right and she's quoted as and keep in mind all of this is a woman who's never read the book sure uh she's quoted as saying Uh, She asks what this book teaches students as far as honor, ethics, and morals. And then she continues to state that there is no lesson in this book, except if you are a teenager and you kill 23 other teenagers, you win and your family benefits. Uh, Which is, like, so clearly not the point of the book. Right. Even just, like, hearing the summary of it, like, oh, it's about kids fighting to the death. Why are they fighting to the death? The, right. There's Who's making them do this? Clearly more than just... Right. Yeah, it's not... Uh, this isn't... It's not a Michael Bay movie. It's right. not torture porn. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> sure. So it's... I mean, the, the idea that um, people go off kind of half-cocked about a book they haven't read and make a big deal about it, I don't think is unique to The Hunger Games. It's it's not. I, I feel like a lot of things that... that people are protesting are things they have not read they have a a surface level understanding of what it's about but they don't get the context or the intent of of anything they find objectionable 
Right. And another reason... Did you have something to say, Amy? Go ahead, Amy. No, go for it. I was just, I was just like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, what he, he said. said. <laughs> Jinx. Uh, but another thing I like about uh, the Hunger Games is that this was being read in a classroom. This was part of the curriculum. Sure. Uh, and this was in 2011, which is kind of the height of the Hunger Games popularity. There was a movie coming out... Um, this was when I read it. I was in sixth grade when I read The Hunger Games. Right. And there was just a lot of excitement and hype, and people wanted to read this book. So clearly a teacher saw it and was like, oh, this is going to bring excitement to reading in my classroom, and so I'm going to adapt it into the curriculum. And it got parents upset. At least one parent upset. Uh, it wasn't sustained, uh, this was a failed ban, but it was still brought to the table. Sure, it's taking up school board time. It's it's someone who is raising a stink about something they didn't they didn't understand. Um, in talking about something that kids were excited to read, another another book that Mary had brought up, uh, the Harry Potter series, got a lot of kids to read. Right. And, and but also ran into opposition. There was a lot of very conservative religious groups that were like, "Oh, this is about, you know, dark arts and and devil worship and and, you know, magic is not anything playful. It's very like a lot of there was a like a, a lot of really uh serious religious opposition to like the Harry Potter series." Right. I think part of that was there's a lot of uh pagan uh, yeah, it's rituals. The idea uh, is that magic is you—you you only have magic powers by a pact with the devil. Is essentially w- right. what a lot of that comes down to. Um, sign I think me we're up. gonna. What's that, Amy? I said, sign me up. <laughs> yeah, totally. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Also, stay tuned for our uh, upcoming episode about the witch. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> That reminds me. <laughs> Let's just do a seance right now. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think we're going to see opposition to Harry Potter in the future for very different reasons. Um, right. Uh, uh, pertaining to cancel culture. And there, there's I think, I some think, not so pleasant uh, sure. depictions of certain minorities in those books. But I, I also get, I get, I get my mind really blown when people object to young adult or kids literature that gets kids excited about reading and they're like no not that it's like (laughs) this is the thing that's going to make or break your kid getting into books i think you know like right i i think the main thing is i don't want money going to a deplorable person oh sure no i mean that's a different kind of topic i get it but like you know like that's rent the books that's or your, something that's, like that's your find own them at a library that's your own you know that's a personal it uh, is that's a personal, personal. yeah but i'm i'm just saying like uh the the idea of of opposition to something that that is good for literacy in general right i think overall Banning books is harmful, which is why we're talking about this. Right. Um, but yeah, that's uh, Hunger Games. Amy, you got any thoughts on the Hunger Games? 
Uh, I enjoyed it immensely. I think uh, (laughs) I started reading them and I finished the second book, drove to the bookstore and sat in the parking lot and started reading it. (laughs) Wow. And I also drove to the archery store. (laughs) (laughs) While still reading the book. While reading the book. (laughs) Just can't put it down. She walked in reading it and the guy behind the counter was like, I gotcha. And he just like put a quiver of arrows up there. Like he knew exactly what she was He knows what she's there for. Well, I think I got the last copy in the store, too, because the clerk was very put out that I had found it. <laughs> so. oh. oh, wow. He's the, trying to save yeah, the it one that was, it was behind another book. <laughs> right. <laughs> Why did I find this in the cooking section? <laughs> I like the idea of you going into the store and just, like, dumping shelves out on the floor. And, like, I know you're hiding one back here somewhere. <laughs> Forget banned books, hidden books. Yeah, what about hidden books? Oh, that's... You should have, like, uh, all of your librarian friends on to talk about uh, hidden books. and Hidden books, weird, yeah. Weird shit that they find in the shelves. So. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> Book with gum in it. Just, oh, someone finished. Gross. Um, oh, so you got the next... Uh, you want to run down the next set of... Uh, right. Um... So on social media, Sarah McGee, my cousin, uh, responded with some of uh, her favorite band books. So she said, To Kill a Mockingbird, Things Are, The Color Purple, Looking for Alaska, and Lord of the Flies. Uh, I haven't read all of those, but the ones that I have are... They're good. Which ones have you read? Uh, I've read Looking for Alaska and Lord of the Flies. I've read To Kill a Mockingbird and Lord of the Flies. All right. Yeah, both required books in our school curriculum. I did not read Lord of the Flies in school. Really? Yeah. I don't know if I just didn't read it or if it wasn't assigned that year, but uh, I read it later on as an adult. I, I did read To Kill a Mockingbird in high school, and I honestly, it's so long ago that I kind of like, it's one of those things where I'm like, I probably should read that again. It's a little hazy. I, I get the gist of it still, but uh, the details of it are right are a little out there. I I actually I didn't read um, Lord of the Flies in school. I read it. Uh, you suggested it to me. Oh yeah, yeah. Hmm. And it was a good book. All right, I do enjoy that book. Yeah, yeah. It's brutal. Poor piggy. Boys be crazy. <laughs> Boys be tripping. <laughs> uh amy uh do you have a book for us i do i do my uh band book that i brought to talk about was uh persepolis by marjan satrapi uh it's a, a graphic memoir uh her autobiography about growing up uh during the Iranian Revolution uh, in 1979 in the early 80s. Uh, I think she was, I think she was nine when the revolution happened. Very young, so, yeah. yeah. So it's mm-hmm. it's a, a a black and white graphic memoir uh, that really captures her perspective uh, as a child and sort of like what things looked like and felt like and how she reacted to them living through this very violent uh period in her in her country's history um and that was let's see she published that in 
French initially, I think in 2000, maybe. Uh, and then like the, English, that, yeah. the English version was published in 2003 and uh, adapted to an animated film in 2007 that won, sorry, was nominated for an Oscar and won the Cannes Film Festival Jury Prize. Um, you know what? No the best animated movies are never the ones that win, like The Secret of Kells and things like that. They always get beat out by, like, Disney and Pixar. Yeah. So it's like, oh, here's this really important animated film. They're like, yeah, that's cool. We're going to take the old man with the balloon house. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> don't get me wrong, great movie, but, you know. Like, <laughs> right. Which studio has the most money, That's though? exactly right, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, published in 2003 and not challenged until 2013, and uh, the first challenge was right here in Chicago Public Schools. Hey! hey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Good job, Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> it was part of the seventh grade curriculum at uh, Lane Tech College Prep, uh, which is uh, one of the bigger public schools here in Chicago. Um, and it was uh, pulled for uh, I actually I started rereading it this week and I had just gotten to uh, the panels that it was pulled for uh, which I don't know if you've ever seen the illustration style it's pretty graphic yeah I I read Persepolis a few years ago yeah Yeah. I haven't for the style of illustration it's pretty graphic but it's not like I mean it's very Lit- simplistic uh, yes. art Literally style. Literally anything that you watch. It's pretty limited to how graphic it can be. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but there is there is a scene in the book where um, she's a child and her mom's uh, best friend... Her mom's best friend's husband has been in, in prison since uh, for seven or eight years and is released from prison... Uh, and comes over to the house and is describing uh, the the torture that he endured in in prison as a as a political prisoner, um, and so the the illustration is is of these scenes of torture um, that she's overhearing as a child that her, right. her parents her parents are so engrossed in this conversation that they don't realize she's listening she's and, in there right and yeah and it it kind of continues beyond that sort of describing her childhood trauma of like having heard this and and sort of how she processed it and digested it and um it's just a really it's a very powerful scene in the book uh, but apparently was the thing that they did not think uh, seventh graders should be reading and that uh, from what I read about it appears to have been a school decision rather than uh, I could not find a specific uh, story about um, about a parent complaint about a parent complaining about it yeah okay um, but there were demonstrations uh, there were uh, students at the school that demonstrated in support of it and the teachers union also uh, came out in support of it uh, and really tried to to get it back into the school. Huh. So, oh, to get it back, I thought these were people 
like protesting to get it removed. I was the, like, the the school wanted it. The school right. wanted it gone. It like the students oh, yeah. and and teachers union vehemently disagreed Want, with that. Wanted to wanted that's good. To keep it. Uh, yeah, good on them because it seems like oh, here's a real thought and conversation provoking part of the book. Mm-hmm. That's the thing we have a problem with, and it's like this is the, this is the meat of the book, <laughs> you know, like this is the this is the sparking conversation part. This is what you want your kids yeah. to be doing. Without yeah. reading this story, it sounds like that is the main goal. That is the point of this. It is this child's perspective of these horrific things and how that shapes and how, her. And what that does to somebody. Sure. And and for her to be a young child when that happens, and these are kids not much older than that, like it's... Uh... Well, I think this is, you said seventh grade? Yeah, yeah. I think middle school is the appropriate age to start bringing up topics like that. Like, I mean, that's when I yeah. learned about the Holocaust. No, no, I mean, yeah, I mean... It, well, that's I, there's... exactly, yeah. It's, there's violent depictions of real historical events in throughout the curriculum that we teach kids at that age. Right. But there's a difference, I think... Um, this is a devil's advocate position, but mm-hmm. I think I think there's a lot of perception that there's a difference between teaching about it and showing specific graphic examples of things. You know what I mean? Like you learn about the Holocaust. Did you watch a lot of documentary footage from Auschwitz? Did you see a lot of photographs of of mass graves? You know what I mean? Like there's this idea of like, oh, let's shield the kids from the specifics of it, but let's talk about the big picture of it it doesn't right. really hit you in the same way as as seeing images of it i think if you're going to talk about it yes you should absolutely show these kids what it really is get their head around it a little bit mm-hmm. and i think there's a lot of there's a lot of thought that kids can't handle anything scary or disturbing Kids are always more mature. They're far than more resilient than adults. Like yes. forget like yes. what all their the brain development was <laughs> right. like. It's crazy. It's it happens all the time. I see. I, I have conversations with people who don't have kids who are like, "Oh, I would never show my kids this movie." I'd be like, "I showed my kids that movie." They're like, "Are you serious?" I'm like, "Yeah, we think of what we used to watch when we were, right. you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like those parents yeah. who are like." My son's 12, and he's never heard about sex. Like, right. yeah. I guarantee he has. There's a, there's a, a lot of, of that. Uh, but uh, the, other, the other thing I wanted to um, hit on there is there's a, there's a foreign sensibility to Persepolis. She's, uh, she, mm-hmm. she lives in France, right? She, is she a f- French citizen, or is she still Iranian? She is Iranian. I know that she she did it's live been a in while France. Since I read this, but she a, did live in yeah. France for a while. I don't know if she still lives in France. And there is a there's there's a European sensibility in in comics that is more you know they're more casual about mm-hmm. about graphic about nudity. I mean, there's a I have a book on my shelf called Three Shadows, and it it takes place like in the 19th century and it's about this farm family and a little boy jumps in 
in to go swimming, like a swimming hole. And, you know, it shows, it's a very, again, very simplistic art style. Shows his little dingus as he's jumping in. It's not sexual at all. It's just, and it's just, there's so much like casual nudity in there. None of it is sexualized. And it's just sort of like, oh, this is a very French sensibility kind of comic. Like, nobody in France is even raising an eyebrow over that. But if you were to give that book to a kid, if I if I was to give that book to a kid when I was teaching, you know, a middle right. school or early high school, I would have had a parent coming in the next week going, why are you giving my kid this smut to read? And I would have been probably fired from my teaching job <laughs> because... Like, the American sensibility to that is so much more uptight than than a lot of, for, you know, a lot our, of... For, we, yes. we forget that our society we're in America <laughs> was built on Puritan um, beliefs, Puritan, yes. and we're still... It's still there, yeah. ...untangling ourselves from that. I don't forget that. Uh-uh. No. <laughs> so, so I think I we're reminded of it constantly, but... Uh, I uh, I also found a, a blog post about this from the National Council uh, for Teachers of English, uh, where uh, they point out the irony that in the um, the curriculum for this book, it instructs teachers to ask their students, "Can you justify the restriction of somebody's rights in the name of protecting them?" which is, is pretty sure. ironic as yeah. they're also restricting this book from from students. So I thought Absolutely. that was really yeah. a great call out at the end of that. It's really missing the point there. Yeah, a little bit. But uh, yeah, really cool. I'm, I'm glad you brought Persepolis to the table, Amy. That's a uh, kind of an important, uh, important book, an important book in the history of comics and the history of like, you know, I don't know anything about about that period of history in that part of the world, but um, but I read that book and I got a slice of her experience mm-hmm. of that, and you know, yeah. from her her perspective, to be a, a small child in a time of upheaval in your country, and actually a witness to history in that way, yeah, uh, scary. It it is scary, uh, well, and there is a. Just- there's Go a ahead. sequel to that book. Is it? Is there yeah. a, sec, a second part? Of, um, I thought I yes. remembered that. Yes. So that that kind of goes into her young adulthood, and uh, yeah, it's a two part. Okay. Two part memoir. Um, but yeah, I just think it's it's really interesting since so much of history is told from the perspective of, of power to actually be able to read a history that's that's not only personal but from a perspective of just a citizen and not somebody that's that's part of the struggle to to run the country sure uh a citizen uh who's a a young female in the middle east you know Mm -hmm. which is i mean that's its own a very specific uh viewpoint i think this isn't a war story this isn't a general it's just it's not a glorification of war story sure yeah yeah um cool um thanks amy do you want to do you want to read our our next uh couple of uh suggestions down there sure sure uh let's see uh becca spence uh debias am i saying that right yes uh suggested uh the hate you give uh i have not read that or seen the book but those are on my list uh evelyn 
Evelyn Pintus, uh, Boy Meets Boy, and To Kill a Mockingbird. Another another To Kill a Mockingbird suggestion. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Evelyn, um, Evelyn and Sarah are about the same age. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's probably right in their wheelhouse of their they're, curriculum. They're both being required right. to read it right they're, now. They're both. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's in the forefront, but. Uh, Sure. Uh, Boy Meets Boy, I saw come up on, on a couple of lists. Uh, I saw that too. Uh, yeah, uh, Becca, The Hate You Give, I same. I've I've heard about that book for the last couple of years. Uh, the movie a, came out. The movie came out, and and a lot of uh, a lot of white people getting woke up by that book. So um, right. uh, yeah, it is one of those things. It's sort of like no, I'm not saying that is a bad thing. No, at all. I, I know, uh, but it, the it, people banning but, this book are clearly sure that it's a that it's a very challenged book. Is is uh, strange. Um. <clears throat> Uh, my book that I brought to the table, I brought a comic as well, a graphic novel. I brought the Bone series by Jeff Smith. Um, and I brought this uh, for, I have the big phone book edition of it here. I it's got, huge. I got the collected edition. It is, it's enormous and it's great. Um, <clears throat> I brought that book in because it is sort of representative of the idea that on a long enough timeline, any book can be challenged by somebody. Uh, this is a this is largely a children's story. It's kind of all ages, but it's aimed, I think, mostly at children. Scholastic, I think, picked it up. Uh, it's bit a lot of my teacher friends have it in their classrooms. A lot of kids that I taught had read Bone or read part of Bone. Uh, it's it's like an epic fantasy story it's told over a series of graphic novels anyway uh in 2010 a minnesota parent petitioned for the series removal from her son's school library uh, because her son had just graduated the local dare anti-drug program and we all know what a rousing success the dare program was uh when she discovered images she believed to be promoting Drinking and smoking in the comic her son was reading. A letter from Smith, uh, Jeff Smith, the, the artist and writer of Bone, uh, decried the ban attempt, uh, and it was read aloud at the review committee's hearing, and the challenge was rejected uh, by a 10-to-1 vote. Uh, this all comes from an article on the comic book Legal Defense Fund, which is a real thing because wow. yeah, I found uh, Persepolis on there too. Uh, yeah, comic uh, <laughs> creators are uh, honestly a surprising number of lawsuits involve. Uh, uh, some of it is freedom of expression. Some of it is like creator rights. Uh, you know, publishers not paying copyright. It, it, yeah, yes, there's a lot of there's a lot of legal issues involved in in the comic book legal defense fund. So, what was the scene? Showing there is a there is a character who uh, the the bone uh, characters are these three sort of uh, classic animation style characters and one of them smokes a cigar. There is a there is a few scenes of them in like this medieval tavern kind of thing. They are drinking beer. It's not anything that I would say promotes it. Is it necessarily? great for that to be in a kid's book probably not i don't 
I don't get it. <laughs> it I don't think it detracts. Up, I don't think it detracts. To... I don't think it's worth banning a book over it. Um, but uh, yeah, this this did come up a few times um, in 2011. A submitter in New Mexico school district. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. In 2011, a New Mexico school district. Uh, reported that a parent from an elementary school complained to a board member about drinking and smoking in book number four. Um, this also came under fire for, you know, kind of quote unquote scary imagery. There are monsters in this book. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, because we wouldn't want your character to run into any kind of opposition. Uh, no antagonist. Like, yeah, it's uh, there's the scary imagery and. Um, Let's see. Yeah. Bone in Un- the title is too spooky. <laughs> Un- unsuited in age group complaint <laughs> is is what this got. Uh, in 2013, it was challenged twice more in Texas schools. Uh, one of them, an unidentified complainant, uh, said that volume two of the Great Cow Race was politically, racially, or socially offensive. Uh, while another parent complained of violence or horror in the entire series. Both school districts reviewed the books and opted to keep them where they were. Uh, Because of these challenges, Bone was number 10 on the ALA list of frequently challenged books in 2013. Um, uh, Jeff Smith responded to the inclusion of Bone on this list shortly after by saying, I learned this weekend that Bone had been challenged on the basis of political viewpoint racism and violence. I have no idea what book these people read. After fielding (laughs) these and other charges for a while now, I'm starting to think such outrageous accusations, really, racism, say more about the people who make them than about the books themselves. And having read the Bone series, I'm inclined to agree with that. I see nothing offensive in these books. It is a fun fantasy story about cartoon characters. It's aimed at children. The Bone series, again, like Harry Potter, like The Hunger Games, like so many of these books that get challenged, uh, these are books that get kids into reading. Uh, This series, the Amulet series, I cannot tell you how many kids that took my art classes had read the Bone series, that loved the Bone series, that brought them in and said, look at this, Mr. Rude, check out, and I'd say, this is a great series, let's talk about that. And we would talk about Bone. <laughs> it's just such a, a, it's an exciting book for kids. Um, and I think another reason people take shots at books like this and like the Amulet series um, is because they're comics. And I think there's still a lot of people who look at comic books and like this doesn't belong on a curriculum. This doesn't belong in a classroom or a school library. Real book, you know, real books right. versus comics. It's 2020. We're still having this debate, you know. But I think the Bone series is great. It's not anything offensive, but this is just uh, this is just something that hits me as, oh yeah, any book can be challenged. Anybody can find something wrong with any book, and it just. If you look hard enough, you're gonna find right. Something. I think I think there are people again who just didn't read these books, you know, who, who flipped through them and were like, "I'm gonna complain about this." Right. Here's a here's a character with a cigar, and uh, I a lot of these complaints remind me of uh, Parks and Rec, because uh, they have like these 
town hall the meetings. The town hall meetings with, with the dumb townspeople. People are so <laughs> stupid. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of accurate. These are the people who go and complain. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's Bone. Anybody, have either of you read Bone or read part of it or have any comments on it? I've skimmed through it, but I haven't properly read yeah. it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not familiar with that book at all, actually. I'll have to check it out. It's really, it's really fun fantasy cartoon stories. It's, it's yeah. something I would recommend to almost any kid, you know, who's interested in getting into comics or reading. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that I, I appreciated the author's, the author response, and as far as like, uh, <laughs> it's saying more about the people challenging sure. them than about the content. Um, I think Persepolis has been challenged. Uh, for uh, anti-Semitism too, and you read it, and it's definitely anti-Israel, but it's also there's right. a difference between Israel, the state, and sure, and Jews. Like it's two different well, yes. Yes. state uh, versus religion kinds of things, and and I don't feel like people can always separate that for some reason. I would feel like most Americans, uh, I'm just going out on a limb here, and I'm including myself on this, most Americans are not equipped to comment on the situation in Israel or the Middle (laughs) East in general. Um, I I, I think most people should probably, most people in America should probably just keep their opinions to themselves on that, uh, who don't have a stake, who don't have a a horse in that race, you know, like... uh, (laughs) If you're Jewish, yeah, I'll listen to your opinions about it. I'm not going to weigh in, though. You know, like I, just, I don't know enough to I, say. It, that's exactly my point. I think most most white Christian, I, you know, I think a lot of people <clears throat> think they know more than they do. For sure. Just in general, that's just, a and thing that's where people. I think that's that where prob- all this stuff comes from. I exactly, bet. exactly right. Um, yeah, uh, I want to. That's that's our our picks. Uh, um, I think I think we brought some good stuff to the table, and we all laughed at how ridiculous these complaints are. Right. Uh, uh, let's just uh, go around. Any thoughts on on banned books? Um, I, I the couple notes I have scribbled down here. I will just say only fascists ban art uh, in general. You know, book burnings and things like that are all. I think we can agree pretty terrible it, everything doesn't have to be available in every collection but nothing should be made nothing should be taken off the table i think um i'm surprised by the amount of different reasons things are banned like sometimes it's like oh this uh has profanity sometimes it's sure this uh has pro gay stuff sometimes it's sex ed yep. sometimes it's uh hate speech but like in a way that it's like this book is clearly against hate speech sure. but you just see the word or you just This see Nazi it. character is very anti-Semitic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> really. <laughs> you know? But overall it all boils down to people not understanding nuance and in context. Being afraid of things that they don't understand. Sure. I think I think that's where a lot of this comes from. Amy, you have any thoughts on on banned books? Uh, well, you've both made very astute observations, and I'm just going to uh, say support your public library and your school librarian, because they deal with this stuff all the time, and 
don't get paid enough. So <laughs> here, here, amen. I I have a lot of librarian friends who would agree with that wholeheartedly. I think. Uh, I lastly, I just want to say, if you are concerned with something your kid is reading, talk to your kid. Right. Have a discussion with your kid about it. Uh, don't go to talk to the other adults or read the book that they are reading. Don't just skim it. Read it. Find out what it's about. Talk to your kid's teacher about it. Talk to, you know what I mean? Like, have conversations instead of just screaming at a school board or a librarian about it. Um, I really think putting things into context and having conversations about it is how we get over this hurdle. Right. Uh, And speaking of conversations, if any listeners have banned books that either they have opinions on that we've talked about or just ones that we didn't cover in this episode... Uh, you should hit us up. Please. Uh, hit us up, social media, and uh, 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 DM us, whatever. Uh, and uh, we could do a follow-up to this at some point. Starting conversations is, like, the main thing here. Absolutely. On that note, I want to thank you for listening to this very special episode of The Picture Show with Austin and Phil and Amy Rude. Thank you so much for joining us, Amy. My pleasure. Uh, this was an important topic for us to cover. We, all three of us, we love books, we love reading, and uh, hate censorship, I think is safe to say. <laughs> so, uh, Unanimous. Uh, here, here. I, I, I want to thank you both for for coming to the table and bringing your picks and, and talking about, you know, helping us cover this, this topic. Uh, Austin, you want to read the credits on the way out? Yeah, we do everything ourselves. Well... Not this week. Not this week. Thank you, Amy, very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for there having me. There you have it. We will see you next time on The Picture Show. See ya. Bye.